0: I'm Dr. Ward Bond, and I welcome you to Life-Changing Wellness episode number 20. Today, we talk with a man who beat death twice and climbed to Mount Everest, proving the human spirit can overcome anything, all with one lung. Don't go anywhere as you want to hear this inspiring, life-changing wellness episode.
1: This is... Dr. Ward Bond's life-changing wellness. Life-changing wellness. Here's Dr. Ward Bond.
0: Welcome everyone to the show. Before we start, head over to iTunes after the interview, rate it high, and leave a kind review and tell all your family and friends. I would greatly appreciate it, and I also encourage you to look up my show page on RadioMD.com slash Dr. Bond. Well, today, my guest is Sean Swarner. In my eyes, this gentleman is Superman. He survived two different types of cancer since the age of 13. He went from crawling eight feet from the hospital bed to the bathroom to redefining the word impossible by climbing to the top of Mount Everest. From there, he stood atop the highest point on all seven continents, skied to the North and South Poles, and completed the World Championship Ironman Triathlon in Hawaii. And Sean is the only person in history to accomplish these inhuman feats with only one functioning lung. And he realized that after defeating cancer twice, no challenge would ever be too great. No peak too high. And today, get ready to be inspired, motivated, because the same human spirit lives in all of us. Ladies and gentlemen, I welcome you, my guest, Sean Swarner.
1: Wow! Um, After that intro, I, I I think we're done. I mean, that's that's the story. <laughs> <laughs> Anything <anymore> at all? <laughs> well,
0: well, the next time you do another documentary, you can call me. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> all right. that's, that's great. Well, thank you for having me on. Hey! Oh, I am I am absolutely looking forward to this uh, with you, Sean. And I want to just kind of kick off this whole interview with, you know, what was it like being diagnosed with and overcoming cancer, not just once, but actually twice.
1: You know, I, I think the, the the first time I was 13 years old, and I didn't truly understand the ramifications of cancer and the top, the possibility of death. You know I, I think being that young, no one really has a, a full grasp on that concept of of no longer being alive. And the, the first time around it was kind of like a whirlwind, and I, I just went through the motions. You know, I, I tried to be as as normal as possible. You know, if if I guess if there is a normal when you're and in your teen years, you know, my, my friends were out chasing girls, having a great time. You know, their their hormones were kicking in. They were growing hair in unusual places on their bodies. <laughs> you know, I was losing. I was, I was losing the hair on my body from the chemotherapy. But the second time around, uh, because I was 16, I was older, and I went through the first one. I remember sitting in the hospital bed and the doctor coming in after aspirating part of the tumor, you know, just to see if it was benign or not. And obviously it wasn't, it was malignant. So he called my mom and dad out into the hallway and I grabbed my little buddy. Uh, my little buddy is the uh, the IV pole. And I kind of waddled out from the bed to, to the, the doorway. And I just listened in and, and they were doing a little chit chat. My mom cut right to the chase and she asked directly to the, to the oncologist, is it cancer again? The doctor said, unfortunately, yes, it is. So, I, you know, like I said, I went through the first one. I didn't want to go through it again. I, I, I waddled back into the bed, buried my face in the pillow, and started crying my eyeballs out. You know, my, my life was going to be put on pause again. My life was going to be on hold. But the way I saw it, I had two options, like either fight for my life or give up and die.
0: Well, let me ask you that you had two different bouts of cancer. What was the first one?
1: The first one was Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh, stage four. That The doctors uh, told my parents, hey, by the way, your, your firstborn son has about three months to live. Uh the second one was Askin sarcoma, which is uh a, it's a, it's, a, it's an incredibly rare cancer affects three out of a million people with a prognosis of six percent. So if you have a hundred people with this cancer, ninety four people die
0: and I'm oh the only person goodness. in the
1: world to have even ever had Hodgkins and askins sarcoma and the chance this is crazy. The chances of me surviving both of these illnesses is roughly equivalent to winning the lottery four times in a row with the same number.
0: Wow, I'm buying a lottery ticket, but you have to be with me to do it. Oh my Dude,
1: gosh! I, 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 <laughs> I've, I've bought one many, many, many times, and I'll, I'll I'll tell you every time I get a number, um, it's like one out of ten of them. But usually, it's just a big old goose egg.
0: Well, let me ask you this: because you also were in a medically induced coma for a year. Now, why did they do that?
1: Good, good, good question. And it's it's weird because. Like I said, no one's ever had these two cancers before, and I was pretty much a a, a toxic guinea pig, you know, going in with with a treatment. And the, the the treatments that they had me on were so harsh, uh, they didn't want me to remember how bad they were. And wow. my my cycle for the treatments was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then for a lot of people who don't understand, uh, you know, chemotherapy just destroys rapidly growing cells, and I couldn't go back in for another treatment until my body. Um, increased the hemoglobin, red blood cells, white blood cell count. You know, until my my, and so my, my uh, blood cell count got higher. Otherwise, the chemotherapy would kill me. So right. then I'd be released out of the hospital, and I'd go back in to get the second half of the cycle, which would be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And every time I was inpatient in the hospital, that's when they knocked me out. I really don't remember being 16 years old, except for that one month of radiation therapy when I had a break from. Uh, It was three months of chemo, one month of radiation, then 10 more months of chemo. So that one month of radiation is when I kind of had, I guess, what uh, alcoholics would say is a moment of clarity. I had a month of clarity. And otherwise, I just don't remember being 16 years old.
0: My gosh. So let me ask you this, because what did you actually focus on to give you the hope to beat it?
1: You know, going through these two cancers really... Like I said earlier, I had two choices: fight for my life or, or give up and die. But I also had a choice in how I wanted to see life and how I wanted to see obstacles and challenges. And I've I've decided that there are no obstacles, there are no challenges, there are only opportunities. You know, and I really started looking at life from a different perspective. And and I, I knew that I had that choice, and I, I wanted to start looking at things a little differently. And I saw the cancers as an opportunity to to focus on the good in life and to focus on you know, the, 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 the positive things in life. So I, instead of focusing on not dying, I was focusing on surviving. You know, same thing for, for climbing Everest. And, and the same thing in, in, in life. Whatever you focus on is essentially what you're going to get. So on Everest, I was focusing on reaching the summit. I was focused on making it to the top, not focusing on not falling.
0: Exactly. Well, let's talk about the Grand Slam here, because we're talking about seven summits. We're talking about the North and South Pole. Now, why did you decide to climb Everest after all you've been through, and actually, how old were you? That's <laughs> a great, great question.
1: The reason I'm laughing is I I can hear my dad's voice in the back of my mind as I was boarding the airplane, flying over to Kathmandu, and he said, we didn't get you through two cancers to go kill yourself on a hunk of rock and ice. <laughs> uh, right?
0: I kind of agree think? with him on that point, but I also agree <laughs> with you that, uh, you know, there's no limits in life except what we think is a limit.
1: Exactly. And, and you know, the, the the reason I did that was uh, I wanted to be the first cancer survivor to climb Mount Everest. And I, I wanted to use it literally as a 29,000-foot platform to stream hope. You know, the the human body can live, you know, being a doctor, and these are just general numbers, but the human body can live for roughly 30 days without food. The human condition can sustain itself for about three days without water, but no human alive can live for more than 30 seconds without hope, you know, and I wanted to use it as a 29,000 foot platform to scream hope, to give something back to people because we all have two ears and one mouth for a reason. We all have a story and a different perspective on how we see our world. And you I just, just wanted gave, to really encourage people.
0: Well, you just literally just gave me goosebumps. Just, you know, we can't live 30 seconds without hope. And now now I want everyone to know that's listening to this episode with, with my guest, uh, Sean Swarner, that you did all of this with one lung. Not just surviving <laughs> cancer twice. You did it with only one lung. And we know that with mountain climbing... You have to have oxygen especially on most of these peaks that you know the air is very thin it's people you know usually go up there with tanks on their back but uh how did you do it
1: You know when I when I started climbing my baseline was that one lung I I I don't know what it's like going into high, extreme altitude with both of my both two functioning lungs and I, and, and just to clear things up I do have both of my lungs, but there, there's so much scar tissue, there's no oxygen transfer in my right one. I just have one big bulldog left lung, apparently. But it it it, it goes back to the old adage of whether you believe you can or you cannot, you're right. So it, every, anything in the world has always started off as, as an idea. And the more you think that idea is, is capable of coming to fruition, the more likely it's going to happen the more you believe in it and the same thing with climbing everest with one lung people told me it was literally and it was literally impossible to climb everest with one lung I and mean, for me that's kind of like adding fuel to the fire it's, you know well I yeah that's true people wrong
0: well sure that's like saying you no one can run the mile under four minutes and that's already been done a thousand exactly. times but you know climbing everest you know, not everybody does that every day. And with having one functional lung, did I mean, what type of physical training and mental preparation do you have to do to prepare just for that for that climb?
1: Well, I. uh Long story short, I was living in Jacksonville, Florida, working on my master's and my doctorate. I wanted to be a psychologist for cancer patients, a, a psycho-oncologist, and that's when I came up with this idea. And I had, I did some research and found that the highest point in Florida um, is actually the top <laughs> of the Four Seasons Hotel in Miami. So I did I didn't think that I should could probably well, uh, train that way.
0: Yeah, so get I some moved section to, cups. Uh, yeah.
1: Exactly. So I I moved to Colorado and there's a mountain in in um, Estes Park, Colorado called Long's Peak, and it's 18 miles round trip. And I would do that once a week with 100 pounds of rocks in my backpack.
0: Oh my gosh! Wow. Now,
1: obviously, I didn't. I didn't just start with 100 pounds. I worked my way up there, you know, 25 pounds, 30 pounds, 40 pounds, whatever. It's the same thing as, as, you know, the intro. I literally, my first goal was to crawl eight feet from the hospital bed to the bathroom so I wouldn't soil the sheets. You have to start somewhere, but you have to start in your head and believe that it's possible before you can get there. So many people just don't tap into their potential.
0: Well, how many people did you have to overcome? And I say this in a way of... How many naysayers did you actually have around you, or was just everybody cheering you on?
1: Yeah, not not so much the <laughs> latter. Um,
0: <laughs> most, most
1: people were just telling me that I was a fool and, and I, I couldn't do it. You know, they just, they told me I'd get frostbite. Uh, I'd I'd be coming home with with uh, a missing leg. They told me that I might not be coming home. You know, and most people told me there was no way it was physiologically possible to do it. You know, but again, you, you have to believe in yourself. And and if I'm going to live someone else's goals and dreams, I'm never going to be happy.
0: Well, yeah. Well, let me ask you this. If you're focused on climbing Mount Everest and in your mind, you know, did you have to separate being idealistic about it versus being realistic about it?
1: I, I am definitely a very realistic person. You know, I, I I do believe you can do anything you put your mind to. However, if I try to jump off a building and fly, that's not going to happen. You know, I I definitely have to keep my ideas realistic, and I also I also take calculated risks. You know, so with the Seven Summits, I started I started with Everest, and then I decided, all right, well, I got bit by the the quote unquote climbing bug, the climbing bug, and I wanted to do more around the world. And I figured, you know, some there's this thing called the Seven Summits, which is the highest mountain on every continent. You know, Seven Summits, Seven Continents. So I decided to do that, and. Uh, the reasons I was doing it was actually for other people touched by cancer. And it started with Everest where I took a flag that had names of people touched by cancer. And if oh, your name I, wasn't wow. literally on there, it, and, and they're, they're my, they're, they're my why they're why I'm doing what I'm doing. So I, I did the seven summits and then there's something called the Explorers Grand Slam, which still to me sounds like a Denny's breakfast platter, but I didn't <laughs> name it. So
0: I, <laughs> yeah, I got South you.
1: Pole. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I was going to get to the finish it. and I'm going to get like a, side of hash browns and some bacon and some eggs
0: or something. Well, I think Danny should to... yeah, but I think Denny should name a meal after you anyway and just say I'll, I'll take the Sean Swarner, you know, you know the, the ultimate the ultimate grand slam, you yeah, know. So um but uh, well yeah, you know, it's the, the thing that um you know, what kind of close calls did you have on Everest? I'm
1: I'm sorry you broke up. Uh, yeah, did you,
0: uh, did you did uh, you did you have any type of close calls climbing Everest? Uh, I
1: you know, I, I did. Uh, everybody's always heard of the um, the infamous Everest snowstorms. I, I got caught in my tent at Camp 2 right around 21,000 feet on the side of the mountain, and hurricane-force winds came blowing through, you know, 100-mile-an-hour winds, and it was awful. But earlier that day, I also uh, saw a friend of mine tumble down about a mile and leave a blood spot where he landed on the snow on a 45-degree angle. So that, that really shook me up and it started questioning uh, why I was on the mountain and everything. And it, it, it's always a concept, it's a notion, it's just an idea of, of death. But when it's real and it's in your face like that, you start to really internalize it and, and it, it becomes real to you. And that's when it became real to me. And I was thinking to myself, you know, if, if my friend died on the mountain, why wouldn't I? You know, what 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 forces would help me get to the top and who decides who doesn't make it? So that was definitely uh definitely on my uh, my radar when I was going up and past dead bodies.
0: Well, well, let me ask you this Sean, your worst day on Everest. How would you compare your worst day on Everest versus your worst day fighting cancer?
1: You know, and and, and thinking out loud, I'm going to say they're very different because if something happened on Everest and the you know what really hit the fans Mm -hmm. I could pick up my satellite phone and say, hey, get me out of here. I could get down to a certain level where a helicopter could come pick me up, you know, base me up. Going through the treatments, I didn't have a choice to turn around. On the mountain, I always have a choice to turn around. I can come back the next year. I can come back and attempt it another time. It's my decision to continue forward or, or turn around. Going through the treatments, the way I saw it was I had to fight for my life. I had to continue, and I wanted to continue pushing forward. You know, I didn't have that option of calling a lifeline and saying, "I'm, I, I quit. I'll come back next year." So I, I would say the whole cancer aspect was, uh, was, was more difficult in that aspect.
0: Well, let me ask you this: Did you make it to Everest on the first try? I, believe it or not, I did. Wow! Kudos to you, man. I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> now, now let's let's talk, let's do this because I know that you did, you did Everest. You did all seven summits. And why did you want to do the North and South Pole?
1: Well, the North and South Pole is just a, a continuation of the Seven Summits into the Grand Slam. And
0: ah. I think less
1: than 50 people have ever done that. No cancer survivor had ever done it. And if you include the Hawaii Ironman, as you said earlier, no yeah. human being in history has ever done that before. And I remember uh, I, I saw the uh, the reason I wanted to do the, the Ironman in Hawaii was because I was in the hospital bed battling my cancers, and I saw it on TV. And I saw one of the specials on somebody who was doing it, and I told myself if I survive these cancers, on my bucket list, one of the things I wanted to do before I die was finish the Hawaii Ironman. So I did that, and then after that, I wanted to go on and continue and, and do the Explorers Grand Slam. And I figured, all right, you know what? Let's let's keep pushing the envelope. Let's keep doing things that no one has ever done before, and let's use that as a vehicle to really shout the potential of the human body and spirit.
0: Well, let's talk about your your true north documentary, which uh airs on PBS, let's talk about that for a moment.
1: For so, sure, we um oh, it, it was actually um uh put together by a production company called The Workshop. Amazing people, I call them the Triple T threat because it's Tom, Tommy, and Todd. These guys just do an amazing job. Um, and the footage we got uh, two guys, Corbin and Igor, uh, the, the, the photographers, you know, the, the videographers who went up there with me, I'm sitting there pulling and lugging this sled up there. Uh, in in minus 80 degree temperatures with the wind chill and uh, just trying to keep my skin from falling off and freezing off my face. And then these two guys are behind me and skiing in front of me and then getting video shots and then packing up their stuff and skiing in front of me and packing up stuff, trying to catch up. Unbelievable. But the footage we got is just out of this world. It is absolutely incredibly beautiful. Filmed on, on, I think it was was a Sony high def cameras, just Stunning, and you can go to True North Dock as a documentary. True North dot com, and see a trailer. Just it's kind of funny. You click on my nose, and you can you can see the trailer. But when I got to the summit, or I guess there, there's no summit, but when I got up there, um, it was just kind of a letdown because there's no marker. And one thing people don't understand is, you while we were skiing up there, we're moving around on the frozen Arctic Ocean, so a glacier. One wow. night, we, we made about five, five to ten miles north. We set up our campsite, and we floated a couple miles backwards because of the currents underneath the glacier. Mind-boggling. Oh,
0: that's weird. Yeah. I'm sorry? So where, was, so where was it actually filmed? On one of the poles?
1: It was filmed going to the North Pole, and it's actually going to roll across the country on PBS on different stations starting January 1st. So everybody they- in the nation will, will probably be able to see the documentary.
0: And they don't have a marker up
1: there. There, there can't be because once you get to the North Pole, we we actually got to the North Pole. We set up camp and we floated a mile and a half away from the North oh,
0: Pole. Oh, I so in other words, did you just have to track it by GPS coordinates? Exactly. So we wow. we started going
1: obviously north, and then we we kind of made this huge circle trying to track where the the North Pole was moving to. So we we ended up at the North Pole. Did the uh, uh filming did all the the, you know i've whipped out a flag that had names of people touched by cancer thousands of people um and i also uh, got on the phone and proposed my uh, my now
0: fiance hey fantastic and congratulations on that (laughs) man well Well, yeah well you're you're in for the you're in for the the biggest uh challenge of them all marriage but uh It can be done. I've been been married for 30 years, so, you know, you may have climbed Everest, but I've been married for 30 years to the same woman, okay? (laughs) But I say that because I love her. (laughs) Right. Maybe I should be congratulating you and interviewing you. Hey, well, I I tell you what, uh, you know, this is, I am absolutely just... I mean seriously, I, just, I i love talking to you. I love hearing your story. And I cannot imagine the countless numbers of cancer uh people battling cancer, cancer survivors who are looking up to you and I and, I, and no pun intended, you know, literally looking up to you for inspiration, knowing that they can you know, they can beat the disease. And and I pray that they all do. You do. And I know you're the same way. And at the same time, motivating, you know, everyone that, you know, the human spirit still lives and that, you know, we're only limited by the way that we think. And in a way, you know, you've kind of broken records. And, uh, you know, and I know there's others that have done the Grand Slam. But not being a cancer survivor and not with just one lung. So, I mean, this is amazing, but I also understand that you have a book that is coming out called The 7 Summits to Success.
1: I I do, and and it's actually a, a series of books, um seven of them, kind of going along with the theme <laughs> of 7 to 7 summits go
0: figure. Good idea.
1: The 7 Summits to Success, and the first one you can actually get on my uh, my website com, just uh, download it for free. It's called Everest Becoming Unstoppable. And we're we're going to be putting up the second one, Kilimanjaro, into the self. And I'm working on the Elbrus one right now, and we're going to be coming up with a title for that one pretty soon. But I'm doing the final edits this weekend, and that should be available soon as well. And it's pretty much uh, taking what a lot of speakers and a lot of authors do. You know, they say A plus B equals C. If you want to be successful, this is how you do it. But I, I've never thought that works for everybody. You know, people are motivated by different factors. Some, some are altruistic reasons. Some people want money. So we kind of flip it on its head and we say C, whatever you want, whatever you want to accomplish equals A plus B. So if you start at the end and you know what you want to have in mind, these books will help you get there. And it's, it's pretty straightforward. And the first one is just believing that it's possible and knowing that, you know, if, if you want to have that uh, intrinsic motivation, if you want to have motivation and inspiration that lasts for a lifetime, look in the mirror. That's where it comes from.
0: Oh, yeah, I, I believe that. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I truly believe that, uh, you know, a lot of us, you know, we wake up in the morning, we should look in the mirror and say, hey, you can do this. You know, we have to give ourselves a pet talk. And I could imagine how many pe- self pep talks you gave yourself, uh, not only going through your two cancer battles, but then deciding to do a triathlon. And not only that, you know, the mother of all triathlons. And then tackling every summit on every continent. I, I can't even imagine what kind of pep talk you were giving yourself.
1: You, you know, because of what I've been through, and I, I, I've, I've shared this with thousands and thousands of people. Every morning I wake up, I tell myself, there's nothing I can do about yesterday. The past is gone. It's in, it, 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 it's in history. Tomorrow, for me, may never come. It may never get here. So no matter what happens today, today is the best day ever.
0: I love that. Now, let me ask you this, Sean. What is your next big challenge? <laughs>
1: well, let's think about this. You know, Mount Everest, Seven Summits, North, South Pole, most difficult race in the world. The next logical step, I guess, would be to either reach out to reach out to uh, Sir Richard Branson or Elon Musk and go into space.
0: Ah, okay. So you keep going up because my guess was yeah. maybe he's going to go to the, the bottom depths of the ocean, but... No use in going to the bottom when you've already been at the top.
1: Well, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, maybe we do, the, um, uh, do space and I want to take a flag that has names of a million people touched
0: by cancer to space.
1: Oh. And then maybe go to the Marianas Trench and then put a flag down there that has names of a million. So literally covering the globe and the, like the, from the lowest points to the highest points in the universe, covering, covering everything with hope.
0: Wow. Sean, I am impressed. And and I can tell you one thing. One of the things on my bucket list is to meet you in person. You know, I just want to sit down and have more conversations with you. You are inspiring. You're motivating. You're positive. and, And I know that millions of people out there, are, their lives are changing just by hearing you talk and understanding the battle that you went through. And, uh, and not only that, just uh, just the amazing uh, challenge that you took upon yourself to climb all of these summits, to ski to both North and South Pole and to uh, conquer the triathlon. And I can tell you one thing, Sean, much, much more success to you. And the next levels you reach, you need to contact me again. I want to hear more more great stories coming from you and congratulations on uh for you and your fiance and I look forward to, and to spreading the word about your documentary and of course your books. So uh and I want to thank you for the honor to uh for coming on to my show and and just telling everybody about your amazing feats.
1: Well you you know I I really appreciate it and I'm 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 very grateful and uh an honor for the opportunity. So if, if you do want to get together, I also take a group up Kilimanjaro every year, uh, which is a, a, the highest mountain in Africa as a fundraiser for a cancer charity. So maybe you can join us next year.
0: Oh, now you, now you got me wondering <laughs> uh, that one. I I'm want I'm to write that down and I want to study that. And I'm probably going to contact you and find out what kind of training I need to step up on to uh, make that happen. But uh, I may actually take you up on that one. I can tell you that. So, you know-
1: <laughs> if you believe you can do it or you can't, you're right. So right there is the initial thought pattern that you just had. You know what? Let's do it.
0: Uh, let's do it. And I can tell you one thing, ladies and gentlemen, I can do it. And remember this, to catch every episode of Life Changing Wellness, just hit subscribe on iTunes or on my show page at RadioMD.com. And if I can ask you a favor, please take 30 seconds, rate the program today on iTunes. The reason being is we want to attract more people like you to spread the word about good health as well as inspiring and motivating you to greater heights. So connect with me at drwardbond.com and sign up free for our online class, Healing Remedies and Recipes, to kick off your life-changing wellness. Thank you for listening to today's show. I'm Dr. Ward Bond. Have a healthy and blessed day.